Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. All right, only slightly late tonight. Welcome to episode 80 of the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we have almost all the co-hosts tonight. So say hi to Mark and Charles and Jason, but not Dustin. Is that his name? Was that his name? I can't remember. Yeah. Was it Dustin? Dustin? Oh, dear. (laughs) We raise our glasses to you, Dustin. Yeah, well, you know, Dustin's busy with life and whatever. Maybe someday he'll be back. <laughs> or maybe he'll uh, just drop in and the, the show sometime. No, he'll he'll be he'll have an excuse of having another child soon, so. Yeah, yep. That's what ruined it the first time. I mean, that's what blessed his life the first time. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> hasn't slept since. No, I'm sure he hasn't. Uh, so anyway, welcome everybody. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, during this uh, socially distant world. And that's uh, that's what's inspired tonight's topic. Uh, we're going to chat a bit about basically how to keep being social while being locked in your house <laughs> through the beauties of this internet thing that we're all connected to. So um, this all started as we were going to talk about gaming servers, and then I decided to open that up a bit. So uh, basically... One way to continue socializing, right, is to slaughter each other online, which is what online gaming is kind of turned into nowadays, right? So uh, mm-hmm. tonight we're going to talk about different ways to accomplish basically uh, social gatherings, whether it's gaming or just chat or, you know, maybe some other sort of uh, not so traditional games. And uh, maybe it'll give people some ideas or maybe it'll, uh, you know, spark something, whatever. So, um, Sorry, I'm just trying to transition nicely into this, and I just can't figure out a way to do that. We're going to talk about game servers first. <laughs> oh, my. So, personally, I've got experience, uh, at least recent experience, running a Minecraft server, Ma- mainly because I have two little girls who like to play Minecraft. Minecraft. And um, the reason this came to mind is because literally just today, we're talking about uh, my oldest daughter's birthday. Well, first... My youngest daughter's birthday is coming up in like just a few weeks, so we're sure that there's not going to be a chance that we're going to be having a big party at the house or anything, um, because our state is still pretty pretty heavily closed down. But um, so we're going to do like the usual Zoom party thing that a lot of people are doing right now. Uh, but our older daughter's uh, birthday isn't until August, and she's a big Minecraft player—not big, big—but she loves Minecraft. She just likes playing it. She's not like some crazy Minecraft wizard or whatever, but she likes to play it and whatever. So we had this neat idea that maybe we'll hold her party on a private Minecraft server. Like all of her friends can just log into Minecraft and then they can play around in Minecraft and maybe set up some kind of voice chat through Discord or something. I don't know. We'll we'll find a platform between now and August. Uh, but um, I thought that might be a great way for her to have her birthday party. She'll get to play games. She'll get to see her friends in digital form. I guess the only downside is that uh, everyone's going to have to have a Minecraft account, which I th- I'm i pretty sure is not free yet. When is Minecraft going to be free? Yeah. How, old, how old is that game? Why is it not free yet? Well, Microsoft bought it for a couple of billion dollars, so I don't think yeah, it's ever going to be never, free. Never. It, it'll, it'll be I got- pay until it's gone. I I have multiple Minecraft uh, licenses because me and my kids started playing it before it actually even worked properly. So I paid like ten bucks a pop for them. Yeah, and even now they're. I want to say I paid fifteen twenty bucks for each of the kids' accounts. Yeah. 
or maybe my own account and then my oldest daughter's account. I don't think our younger daughter has her own account yet. Just uses mine. So, um, so yeah, that's, um, aside. So recently that's the only real experience I have with game servers. Um, you know, not including things like, uh, quake servers from back in the day. <laughs> I did, I did have a short stint where I ran a private EverQuest server, which was totally not a thing that Sony wanted you to be able to do. Oh, hell no. Yeah. You ever hear of project 99? I think that one's still going live. Yep. Still going strong. Yep, that is yeah, the that that's is that the, runs the same server software that I was running. Um so it's pretty cool. Yeah, Project EQ 1999 I think they call it PEQ. Right. The idea being to just not go past Velius because yeah. for many people that was the best expansion and Kunark was good and then things got, you know, nutty. Yeah. 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 Nutty is is probably a generous way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. EverQuest yeah. holds a certain a certain place in my my heart. That was like the first MMO I ever really played. For probably the same deal for a lot of people, and I devoted a ton of time to that game. As did a lot of people in, in that era. Uh, so, so this is news to me. I never realized you had played EQ. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I played it back when I was still having to commute from Thomas River to Rawway at screw you o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the, the, the one night my friend Jim and I, oh, we still talk about it. He and I both had to commute to work and we were in a guild that was on the West coast. So they of course were a couple of hours in front of us. So for, for us late was still early evening for them. And I had a ranger, a human ranger, because I was stupid, uh, <laughs> you know, didn't know any better. And I was working on my Epic weapon, which I never got. Um, but I decided I wanted to, tr the one guy from the guild is like, I'm taking you to the plains of Karana and we're going to kill that crazed ghoul. And it was, it was crazy. Cause it was like at nine 30 on a work night, which like now who cares, but, ah, oh, it was, it was intense. I think I got to bed around midnight that night and yeah. we barely survived. Ah, crazy. I've, I've been, th I, I, I played a rogue, right? Surprise. Surprise. There's that damn echo again. I hate the echo. Echo, echo, echo. What? Yeah, right. Uh, anyway, I played, yeah. I played a rogue, and um, I remember, I forget the details even. I remember hanging out in a dungeon, hidden, at like level 10 when I had no business being there. It was like, it was like level 30 or 40 dungeon, because I was trying to get this dagger that dropped off one of the named mobs in there. And yeah. uh, basically, it was one of these things that was no drop, right? So people didn't want it when it when when somebody killed this thing, uh, it would just uh, sit and just decay on the thing because the thing nobody because wanted nobody to pick wanted it up because they couldn't sell it, they didn't they couldn't use it. Right. So, uh, but right. yeah, I remember sitting there because Rogue Stealth was like the be all end all in Viz in that game, and uh, you could just walk past anything, like any creature couldn't see you. It was pretty awesome. But I remember sitting in that dungeon for like four hours one night waiting for some, like just watching the thing spawn, letting the group that was there was waiting there. to kill it, slaughter it, and then me checking the corpse to see if it had it. Nope, didn't have it. Did you have, did you get it that night? Did you actually get the dagger? I did eventually get it. It took me several days though. And, and t that was normal. Yeah. And that, and that game had, had no safety features. We were no. joking about. We're joking about like enterprise software that lets you blow your feet off. EverQuest was vicious. Like you died, your corpse stayed there in the world where you died and you respawn naked at your bind point. 
and your bind point could be literally on the other freaking side of the planet, My depending gosh. on where on where it was. And you had a timer before your corpse would decay and you'd lose all your stuff. And yeah. when I say lose, it's not like like these kids in, in WoW today. Oh, no, I died after I'm back from the graveyard. But all your stuff's on your ghost. Yeah. No, every piece of loot that you worked your ass off to get killing mobs was it's on your corpse. corpse and you might lose it. Yeah. Yeah, I, remember I that. lost the, the corpse the, or two. It was devastating. The death timer would start counting. It was based on what level you were, if I remember correctly. When right. You, when you were level right. one or two, it was like a couple hours. And when you're level 50, it was a couple days or something. I remember right. that. Yeah. And I it, mean, ran, it ran slower when you were offline. Speaking of, uh, speaking of Rogue Stealth, I can remember a number of times that friends would literally pay me to go sneak into some dungeon that they died in and pull their corpse out for them. He's not even kidding. You could make bank doing that. Yeah. Not even kidding. Hey, uh, so I see Josh is in chat. Josh, uh, for one of our coworkers. Do you hear an echo every so often, especially when Nate is talking? Just, I'm just give us a, give us an echo or no echo in in the chat log, <laughs> because it's been driving Nate crazy. Now, it if is. it's echoing and just he hears it and it's not being recorded, then fantastic. Well, It'll sure be just be like recorded. a bug in his ear. Yeah. Yeah, we're annoying. not sure of anything around this echo actually. Yeah. Could you, oh, anyway. could you send us an SOS report, please? <laughs> yeah, so you so you ran an illegal EverQuest server. Okay. Yeah, for a short time. Turns out that they require a ton of resources that I did not have. Mm. So at any rate, uh, that's enough about me and my illegal EverQuest server and our, our, our traipsing down memory lane of EverQuest of old. Um, Trapes again, I'm sure. Yeah. So uh, what about you guys? Any, any game server experience? I'm going to let somebody else talk first. Don't all speak at once. Because there might be an echo. Uh, game server. I mean, I used to run... I mean, they're not really servers, but we used to run Quake and, and uh, Unreal back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, no, actually, I think we ran it as a... I ran a server at one point, but... I definitely um, ran Unreal Tournament headless yeah. on some Linux box under my desk at some point. Um woot, woot. About as close uh, to the definition of server as you get. I think that it, that's absolutely a server. Come <laughs> no, on. No, I'm remembering this there, now. I did. Um, there may have. How the hell Nate, was I doing Nate, that? Nate might actually know about this. There, there may have been a. I think it was Quake uh, server running on the Exchange server at a place we used to work. That would never happen there. <laughs> um, I ran Minecraft for a while too. Uh, what a what a resource hog minecraft i don't know if it's gotten any better but it just destroyed machines i run it in a container alongside my plex server and i've never noticed a uh a significant resource problem oh, that's good yeah the, the kids had me running one for a while um which started out as you know plain vanilla minecraft mm -hmm. and uh quickly evolved into Installing bucket and you know every every bucket. modification under the sun, um, and it, it got big fast. But it, yes. the, the number the resource the resource usage increases astronomically the more people get online. Yeah, bucket was yeah. awesome. That was my first exposure to Jenkins ever because they would they would use Jenkins to build bucket when they'd make changes to it. Interesting. And I ran the uh, I ran a, a Minecraft server on a VM running in Texas for uh, for friends and family. 
the same guy who ran my Neverwinter Night servers, because I was actually internet famous back in the early 2000s uh, because of this this uh, Neverwinter Nights module I wrote called The Land of Nordok. And it became one of the most popular Neverwinter Nights persistence wor persistent worlds because I pull I totally pulled a, a Linux thing and I released the module as open source. Like, here! Because people would make persistent worlds and they'd run them just on their server and they kept them. And I'm like, nope, here's the public release of Nordoc. Yeah, go go and host your own persistent world. It was it was awesome. The people still play it today. It's crazy. It's, it's, Had I known about monetization, we might be I might not be on the show right now. Yeah, but that was back when that was but that was back when it was considered, you know, bad manners to talk about making money using the internet. <laughs> So it's so it's funny it's, because when you invited me to the the campaign that you started, and I, the 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 name Nordok stuck out of my head. I'm like, Grace, why, yeah. why, why do I recognize the name of this world? I'm like, I oh, he must be reusing some module I've seen before or something. No, it's because you invented it, and I probably saw it on some Neverwinter Nights server back in the day because I used to play Neverwinter Nights on persistent servers all the time. <laughs> so yeah. I'm Rick Term, man. Before I was Uncle Mark, I was Rick Term. That was the Rick Term's retreat was the original Nordoc servers. Is that like X Term? Uh sorta, except <laughs> I'm not as I'm not translucent, nor can you type on me. So, you know. Fun stuff. So I guess um speaking of game servers, that's kind of another way. Like you don't have to run the game server yourself. You can certainly be using some other persistent world elsewhere, like every MMO on the planet, right? Right. And so there's some other, I think what a lot of people do nowadays, uh, I, I jot it in the, in the show notes, Arc and Atlas, which are both written by the same company. Arc actually is decent. And Atlas was a, was a piece of crap when they released it. It was a, <clears throat> a pirate themed game based on the Arc engine, but Arc is basically, it's, it's this, you, you end up, uh, it's a science fiction thing, but you, you basically spawn naked and have to like collect resources and sticks and rocks and stuff like that. And meanwhile, there's dinosaurs and other creatures running around that you can tame and eventually ride. And you have a whole tech tree you can, you can develop down, you know, up to electronics and modern firearms. And, and so people, you can, you can play arc solo, right? You can have a, you can have someone act as like a, a, a host on their PC or you can stand up an ARC server on, I think, either a Linux or a Windows box. And then there's there's companies that will host for you. So if you don't want to go through the rigor morale of running your own ARC server, you can just pay someone like 10 bucks a month and they'll, and they'll host it for you in a server farm. Much like people, uh, but my, my friends and I, for a couple of months, rented a private BF1942 server when that was a, that was an awesome game if you ever played that one. I... Uh, one of the shooters. Unfortunately, never really got into Battlefield, but I had some friends that were really into it, and it, it almost yeah. makes me wish I had because it looked like they had a ton of fun playing that game. Yeah, well, forty-two is where you actually had you could jump into tanks, you could jump into planes. It was it was yeah. not just uh, foot soldier. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's cool. Fun that's stuff. cool. So there's probably a number of games that fit a similar model. I, I know there's there's a bunch of services online. I can't think of uh, a game in particular at the moment that'll do a similar thing where you pay them a couple bucks a month and they'll spin up basically a clone of whatever game server it is that they're selling. Um, 
So that's in the cloud. In in the cloud for like the cloud know, for like minuscule amounts of money. I've seen these things for as low as like two or three bucks a month, you know, for low end stuff. But so yeah, what about uh, what about other methods of uh, just basically keeping sane and keeping up a little bit of uh, socialization? Um, I I threw together a, a basic sort of. Um, outline here uh covering like text and chat systems and video chat systems and other sort of socialized games so i don't know if you guys have anything else you wanted to roll through or if i could just sort of hit them one by one here i don't know yeah uh, the other stuff that i've been doing is on that list so same good then <laughs> so uh believe it or not i've had very very little exposure to the chat flat plat yeah can't speak chat platform Known as Discord, um, I've I've always used Slack because that's what I was you introduced mean Discord? to. What's that? You said Discord. Discord. You mean Discord? Discord. Right? Discord. Discord. <laughs> anyway, Discord. Discordy. Should, should I find other ways to pronounce the word Discord and bother Mark? Die score di. I don't know. Discord day. You could. You could. <laughs> My ask is that you stop that. Oh, no, I just right. pissed off myself. Uh, so anyway, ask um, is not a noun. So like a lot of gamers and whatnot are using Discord for, you know, just basically chat systems while they're playing their games. And honestly, I didn't even know this was a thing. I feel yeah. terrible about that. But uh, um, I've had I had my first experience with uh, Discord's open sort of group chat uh, just the other night, and I thought it worked out pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, I use it for, um, yeah, I use it for a couple of different gaming kind of, um, gaming groups just, you know, <clears throat> cause some games have their own built in chat systems, but you don't really want to, I've never really wanted to screw around with them. It's easier to just, you know, keep discord running in the background, just use that instead. And it's honestly got the best push to talk capability of any of these chat systems and that's really helpful yeah um, you know especially if especially if you're playing with somebody who's say gaming and they're not using a headset and so you will hear their game um while they are chatting with you also use discord to watch movies because you know discord has this you know, has this feature where you can stream what you're doing you know you can so people can follow along as you're playing a game but, you know, let's say if you happen to have a movie, you could say fire it up in VLC, stream VLC instead, and then, you know, invite your friends over and you can do a little movie night. That's a cool idea. What the is quality, VLC, Charles? Well, I'm glad you asked that. VLC. Or that was video. not a setup, by the way. Oh, OK. No, yeah. Uh, a video land player. It's um, it's a media player. I think it's open source. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. It's, you know, it's I taste the kind of the gold standard cross platform. If you have it, it can probably play it. Um, I've done some pretty cool things with VLC over the years because it too has the ability to just randomly stream content to some other location. Um, but uh, yeah, and so you know, you could do that, and as long as your outgoing bandwidth is reasonable. Um, you, know, you can have your friends on Discord server with you, and you can watch the movie together and chat. It's not the same as doing it in person, but 
Yeah. It's not nothing. So I used VLC um, a long while ago. I had set up a Raspberry Pi with a camera on it. I was just kind of tinkering around to see how the camera worked and whatever. And you could literally pipe the camera into a VLC stream and then pick up that stream on a different machine. So you could like put a camera on your network and then listen listen to the camera. It's really just kind of, kind of an experiment. Charles, maybe you remember when we first moved into the Alpha building when I worked with you, um, I had set up that camera that looked out the window that was next to my desk. I don't know if you remember any of this, but yeah, I had set this up and I was like, basically like looking down at the street. It was kind of fun. It was kind of fun to just kind of like, but you know, that's one of the things you can do with VLC. It's not just a media player. It's literally like you do all kinds of cool stuff with it. So yeah, Discord's group chat, I think is actually pretty cool. Yeah. And Josh mentioned uh, in the chat, and I think he just mentioned this, and the ability to play Jackbox and display the game in game sound. I guess he's talking about VLC. Yeah. So now did my chat. Get down with VLC? I didn't, I didn't see his response. Yeah, that's, you know that's awesome. yeah, my chat I see it on the YouTube. I don't see it on our on our private oh. chat. All right. So see, I was I was really considering like paying money for StreamYard. And every time we have a show, we run into these weird problems. That just makes me think. You know what? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> StreamYard disappoints once again. Yeah, I just. Wah, wah. I wish there was another option. Press have to pay respects for I StreamYard. Wish, I wish there was another option for this. So I guess that means I have to go to the YouTube so I can see the chat. Just not a big. The problem. YouTube. Because I'm old, I add the in front of all the Indeed. various there's, platforms I use, like just, the Facebook. There's too many chat mechanisms now. I feel like we're back in the uh, ICQ, AOL, Yahoo, MSN days. We had 20 chat applications on every machine. Yeah, it really is. It really is getting that way. I do wish there was some kind of a standard. I mean, even... I still remember my ICQ number. 1703451. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. I used ICQ for a short time, but yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mean, what? it was it was it was the not AOL Instant Messenger at the time. I'm trying to remember what did we use? Was it Teamspeak or was there one before Teamspeak when I joined my first WoW guild? Teamspeak was definitely I would have been like early to mid aughts. Um, yeah, Teamspeak was the thing I was thinking of while we were talking about Discord chat. Um, you know, as like a as like a predecessor, right? Same basic idea. I had to do was this horrible uh, hack back when um, I was playing original StarCraft with friends. And this was in the, it's like 2007, 2008. We we're back playing original StarCraft, but I was running Linux. more pylons. Well, I was running Linux at the time. And uh, so how did I do this? Because I had to, basically I had to run everything in Wine, but you also had to get around StarCraft's networking. So, you know, you see so you had to run Hamachi VPN. Um so that you're on, you on the same like net, so you're like on the same private network IPX over TCP IP, right? Yeah. yeah. So I was running yes, yeah, so I was running that and so I was running like that and StarCraft and I think TeamSpeak all in line. So when we were gonna play, I'd be like, okay, you gotta give me like 20 minutes because I gotta run all these scripts you and get gotta everything spool up. everything up. But it worked. And then I got my ass kicked because I was never uh, particularly good at StarCraft multiplayer. <laughs> but you ran all the my, services. <laughs> yeah. My my uh, kids still use Hamachi. Hmm. Much to my dismay. 
So like, yeah. what's the alternative now? Like, what's the what's the blessed decent alternative? Because a couple of us are going to do Alpha Centauri, like original Alpha Centauri multiplayer, and I hear there's all kinds of desync problems. But you know, it's got that same thing where it has all the old traditional networking options. Yeah, you would use Hamachi. It's still it's still there. It still works. Think unless it supports native TCP/IP, you don't really have a choice. Yeah. Well, even if it does support native TCP/IP, you sometimes run into problems because of that. So Hamachi sort of takes care of that. Uh, Hamachi handles that piece. I yeah, dropped so Hamachi as soon as I didn't need to use it for the games I was playing. Well, my kids use it so they can get out from behind the VPN or from behind the NAT so they can they can play with their friends. It's it's awesome. Don't say or punch a million holes in the firewall. I, I somehow I somehow think that you don't think it's awesome. <laughs> really i get that just, just the way that so, face went in that the eyes I, mean, people, I mean people using services really just kind of gets under his skin and one mm -hmm. sympathizes i'm not sure i got this <laughs> reputation <laughs> i know how you got this reputation i i, I just want I, I don't want my my home network exposed to everywhere you know especially knowing who they're connecting with i really don't want our networks connected <laughs> oh my there aren't enough network condoms in the world <laughs> triggered yeah it's okay man so okay. so you're talking about team speak uh and, and the alternative did you uh did you ever use game spy oh i remember game i remember game spy yes game spy that was the big competitor to uh team speak yeah and it got installed every time i installed my nvidia drivers for some reason Every friggin' mm -hmm. time. Yeah, they yeah. had partnered with a bunch of different people, oh and, and yeah, it was... And the, there was one really creaky old one, Roger Wilco, I think it was called. Yeah. That might have been that. I, that. I, 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 I think I used that when I played Dark Age of Camelot. Oh, God. I remember that game. Dark That's... Age of Camelot, the game I so wanted to really like, but the computers I had were ass and just couldn't run it. That's, that's where we all went after EverQuest, and... Um... Yeah, it most it, of us came back. It was well, no, it was it was a good game. Good game. A lot of people lot stayed of people with stayed it. With Some of us went back. Some of us went to. You remember Anarchy Online? Do any of you remember Anarchy Online? Yes, I played Anarchy yeah. Online. That was where I ended up after EverQuest. Was Anarchy Online? That was a great game. It Dark Age Camelot. Yeah, it's still going on. It's still running. I think Anarchy Online is still around. Holy guacamole! I know, right? Because That's like 15, 20 years. <laughs> My perspective on both Dark Age of Camelot and Anarchy Align is their reach exceeded their grasp. Like they wanted to, do, especially Camelot, wanted to do some amazing things with realm versus realm and massive battles, and the t and most people's technology just couldn't keep up. It, it was like super slideshow stuff whenever you get a large encounter. So, and then the midguards would just the midguards would just you know crowd control everybody because. They, they could. What Anarchy so, Online eventually went to, which I think was brilliant. Now, think about now it. I got to go see if Anarchy Online is still alive. It is. Anarchy-Online.com. Still run by released Funcom, in still running. Released in 2001. Yes. That's how old <laughs> this game is. But it's still, it was awesome. This game was like the sci-fi version of EverQuest is basically the, the best way I could describe it. It was my, my dream come true when this thing came out. The thing they did. Oh, yeah. And it's probably, got the whole cy the cyberpunk thing going probably on. Probably 15, maybe longer years ago, they decided in order to keep players, we need to make this free. Yeah, free but to we, play. But we can't make it free to play without making some kind of money. So instead of building, I think they added a microtransaction system. But the other thing they did was, remember in Anarchy Online, there were, like, you were in cities. There were literally billboards everywhere. 
right? Because they were like part of the scenery. They added right. actual part of their world. They added Sorry, actual I get the, uh, Disney song in. They put actual for pay advertisements on the billboards in the game, and that's how they paid for the game. That is spectacular. Isn't it brilliant? <laughs> that is spectacular. Anyway, Anarchy Online was great. I spent a lot of time in Anarchy Online. I played it probably longer than I played EverQuest. I think Warcraft is the only MMO that I really sunk time into. And then I realized that I am this is a really bad idea and I really haven't played any since. I'm currently I I have an active I have an active account in ESO, as in I I pay through the uh the ESO plus and it scratches my MMO itch when I have it. But um, I haven't played a lot lately, but the Skyrim expansion goes live on the 26. So I have a feeling I'll be, uh, I'll be playing that pretty heavy once that launches. Yeah. Muds used to be my thing. That was yeah. even, even when MMOs were out, I used to play muds. But again, it was one of those like, you know, this is a bad idea. I I haven't slept in a while and I have to go to work. I didn't, for the uh, week. I didn't even consider adding that in as as, you know, as a game server, but it very much is. You can run your own mud and granted it's all text only. It's not quite socialization, but it is. I mean, Tellerina. Uh, well, evil I evil mode so is I played so much Tellerina. Evil Mooks <laughs> put up the mud again. Did the uh, the Derbycon mud, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's that was I have that a was, soft spot for Tellerina. That was so. It's funny, and I, I kind of knew the conversation was going to go here eventually. So it's funny that I'm bringing it up, but um, that doesn't sound funny at all. It sounds like you planned it. Well, like computer nerds have have gotten this reputation as being antisocial, right? Because oh, they just lock themselves away at their computers all day long. When in reality, we've been doing online socialization for longer than anyone even knew it existed. Indeed. IRC, you would say. Yeah, between IRC and then MUDs and then BBSs and then online message forums. And I mean, we literally pioneered this space. (laughs) Yep. Right. And now now Facebook, everybody's got Facebook addiction addiction and and all the... All the hardcore computer nerds are like, no, 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 you need to get rid of that. That's bad. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, at any rate, um, the other basically like main topic I wanted to talk about, and there's been some 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 poking at this in the in the chat already, is social gaming, like social games, whether they're things that you play in person that have now become online things, or things that you could always play online. I mean, things like uh, like Jackbox games. I know I've seen a ton of groups that I'm a part, maybe not a ton, but several groups that I'm a part of that have started throwing Jackbox games along with like a Discord chat or like a Slack chat uh, where you could just like hang out, you know, join a Zoom meeting or something so you can chat with people and play Jackbox. I've only ever played Jackbox with people like in person. I didn't really realize that this was a, a thing you could play remotely. But a lot of people are doing that. Have have any of you joined one of these Jackbox games? Not virtually. I'm taking that as a no. <laughs> no, I've only played it in person once or twice. Yeah, right. So, and I I I didn't even know it worked when you weren't physically together. But I guess when you join Jackbox with um with something like Zoom, it actually works, right? 
So, all you all you need wow. is the code. So so right. the app on your phone is what connects. It doesn't matter where you are. Yeah, but I mean, you can't interact with the people around you unless you have some sort of a voice medium, which is what people are using. Well, Zoom, right. And Josh, for. Yeah, Josh is saying that it streams really well with Discord. We were talking about this in one of our water cooler calls at the place where we work at that's named after a red, you know, piece of uh, hatware. <laughs> and and it apparently uh, he he's hosted several times and it and it works out really well. Yeah. Maroon yeah, top hats? Yeah, maroon top hats. Um, in Marine fact, some of the, right. I've I've seen the folks at DefCon Six One Zero do Jackpot games a few times, so that's that's really where I noticed it. But I've I've heard of other people doing it. it seems like it's actually turned into a kind of a common thing in this time where we can't go see each other in person. In this challenging time, yeah, yes. Honestly, I had heard about it before this, before being locked down and forced to live with the same people day in and day out. I know. Um, but I, I had seen horrible, I had seen some commentary people. on it about playing, you know, against people overseas and what whatnot. I think some some streamers would uh would would do it and like yeah, like yeah, hundreds that, of audience participate too. Yeah. Really, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Yes. Like yes. How, how well does Jackbox scale to that many people? There. So I think you can have a core group of up to a reasonable number of players. And then once you go past like player 12 or whatever, depending upon the game, you have a slightly different role. I've never tried. I don't know. Huh. But I think it, the, the, the way the streamers did it is they just put the code up on the screen and it was first come first serve. Yeah, that that's that would be a streamer thing to do. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Watch your viewers fight to the death. Is that what you mean? Right. Yes, that is a very to the pain to, to the yeah, pain. They fight to the pain. <laughs> yeah come come be my content and pay me for it anyway yeah 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 hey it works for facebook that's totally not the way uh a responsible youtuber slash uh uh the other streaming platform twitch <laughs> streamer would do it <laughs> anyway it is hey, kind of the, it if, is kind if of they're the giving the, the people what they make, want god bless them you make content however you can when you're <laughs> you're doing that sort of thing <laughs> So the the other social game you have on that list, Roll Twenty, that's where I've yep. been spending my time. That's where I'm yes. going. That's where mm -hmm. I'm going next because I know I didn't know you had experience with Roll Twenty, but I know that 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 Charles does. I know Mark does. I know I do, and I guess you do too. So yeah, what, every weekend since what, since this uh, all started. So I know. So first of all, anyone who's not familiar, Roll Twenty is a uh, just basically take your pen and paper gaming system, battle map, and whatnot and put it online and let people join it um, from across the globe. It's a great tool for whether you're an in-person gaming group and just want a battle map that is a little more than a piece of, you know, uh, uh, rubberized mat on your table with with uh, wet erase markers. It's also great for when you actually can't get physically together, whether your friends are spread out or you're not allowed to leave your house like we are at the moment. So uh, Charles and I were both, and no, I guess you weren't, Jason, I don't think you were at the time where you were still with us at Lafayette, but um, Charles and I were both part of a campaign where it was used simply as a good way of saving the game's state so that when we switched from day to day, because we were playing over lunch, uh, when we switched from day to day, there wasn't a whole lot of setup involved. And it worked okay for that. And uh, only just this past Tuesday have I used it in a case where I'm actually, like, the players physically aren't together, and I thought it worked pretty well for that as well. Now, I know a lot of gamers... A lot of pen and paper gamers, like hardcore D&D players, some of them really have some problems with Roll20. Um, so, I don't know. 
converse. I, <laughs> I've gone on and about on a talk on amongst yourselves. <laughs> like we've just like you know we've just started this. Um, we're a couple sessions into a new fifth edition campaign hmm. where um, we really need roll twenty because yeah we're all not in the same place and it's worked fairly well. Um, uh, it's certainly something I appreciate. You know, I'm not. It's funny, for as long as I've been doing D&D, I'm still kind of rubbish at it. And uh, also, I left my player's handbook in the office, and I cannot get permission to go back and get it. So You're kidding me. Um, I won't even let you go get it. My permission to retrieve my player's handbook, sir! Not really a central <laughs> business, now is no, it? No, private um, pile! Your player's handbook will maintain on lockdown! So, Sorry, uh, so just yeah, tell them no. you tell them you forgot your laptop's uh, magic pad there or something, and you need to go back and get that and grab the players right there. Yeah, but I already swiped that, and they know it. But um, tell no, them you need your the, office chair. Just show up. <laughs> Why are you asking for permission? Seek forgiveness, not permission. Anyway, I think anyway, Charles had a sta- had a statement to finish. I suppose I did at that. Um, but so something, I, so something I appreciated is just um, for finishing out the contours of my character for what I was doing, which is not particularly complex or unusual. Um, you know, the character generator handled all of that and ensured that I had the more or less right stats. Yeah. The character mancer. Yes, the character mancer. First time I used that, by the way, was on Tuesday. I, I always roll up characters and then sort of imported them, like entered them into the into roll twenty. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, nope. we've had we we've been using it for Pathfinder, and it's been it's been okay. Um, we've had weird latency issues where hmm. you know you'll click a you'll click to roll, and nothing will happen for like ten seconds, and huh. then suddenly it'll roll. It's just that's really weird. I haven't seen that. Haven't yeah, seen that. Uh, that's My... been that's just been the past week, the past two weekends. What browser are you using? <laughs> it's across two different computers, so by oh, right. <laughs> Opera and two different browsers. That's uh, Chrome and Firefox on two different operating systems. So my guys who were using Safari the other night, because Nate was actually playing in my new game, my guys who were using Safari were having some issues, and I told them, "Look, just download freaking Firefox, and you'll be fine." So we and got to did. we got to convert two people from Safari to Firefox just by telling them to do so, and it worked. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I I was I've the past three Saturdays have played. This is the fr- I've known of Roll Twenty for years, but I've never really actually used it. And a, a scoutmaster who I met in in a training course some years back turns out he's a really heavy duty gamer. So he lives up in Stroudsburg, uh, near me in Pennsylvania, and and I go to some events he sometimes has. But he was firing up a new D and D campaign, so I'm like, yeah, I'll play. Uh, because my son and I would occasionally go play with him. He w- he would host games in a conference room in his office building on Friday night sometimes. And that was awesome. Um, but uh, what was my point here? So I've been playing a few weeks as a player. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. And I miss my gaming group. Because for a couple of years now, I've gotten a group of people together on Tuesday nights at Shea Richter, which hasn't been happening in these troubling times. So I'm like, okay, I think I can make this work. So I started futzing around with some of the DM stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start a campaign. And I was telling, I was telling Nate about it. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can just invite Nate. Like this, this, 
this this can be an off the cuff thing and just have him jump in. So so yeah, he showed up, which was cool. Worked out surprisingly well. I did find out. Um, I do own the Player's Handbook and Dungeon Master's Guide in physical form, although they're really my son's copies. Um, I did have to drop thirty bucks on the digital Player's Handbook to get the proper integration with Roll Twenty. You know, one per. You know, the DM as the DM, I I took that hit, and then I'm like, oh, monsters, ah, frack. So there was another thirty bucks for the monster manual, and I've also been digging through resources for maps and stuff. I picked up a mapping program today that's really cool to to build to make uh to make maps. Uh, it's fun. I I can actually generate content so quick in this that I think I'll be able to stay on top of these crazy players, because that sometimes was was a challenge for me, like creating the content and. You know, you have the idea in your mind as the person running the game, but then creating the maps and figuring the encounters out and then all that stuff. There, there's there's some paperwork and some tedium wrapped around that. Yeah, that's, that's and Roll20, like Roll20, right? Roll it's like much, I'm not going to say it's no effort, but a lot of the BS is automated away. I don't quite have Ansible playbooks to create full campaigns, <laughs> but maybe you could. That, I, I could. Uh, so as a, well, as, a, as a game master, I, I've enjoyed it. I get some people have shortcomings with it, and there's so much complexity around macros and stuff that some of the players in the other in the campaign I'm a player in, they're using them. But I'm like, I, I, I stole an initiative macro, taught my players how to use it, and they're all just like having a great time. And then yeah, great I mean, fear! Nate's it, character <laughs> rolled a natural 20, and and so double damage on fourteen damage, an arrow right through the the head of a giant hyena. So it, I, I it told was you, it was fantastic. I told you when that happened that I almost never roll that well. Jason and Charles can back that up. <laughs> I'm sure they can. I'm usually well, one rolling so badly that I shoot myself in the foot with that arrow. <laughs> well, so the good thing about forcing him to use roll twenty is means he's not using these stupid ass tiny little metal dice. With the impossible numbers to read, so he'd roll the dice Listen, and I, now, I hey, painted, now, now hush it up. I painted the numbers so you can see them better. Now, now, now podcasting Which is visual medium. <laughs> so I'm just going to describe here how he he'd he'd roll the dice and then he kind of go down, hunch down, look at them, and then at that point he could have said they they read anything because not like we could read them from across the table. Maybe but then he'd was, report these terrible numbers, maybe that was so we point. knew that he was honest or he was trying to tank the party. Mm. That's which, just, given, just, I was a plant which, the whole time. I was a plant from Ken, <laughs> which would certainly explain why he played a rogue but never researched the rogue's abilities and never oh, used stop. and just spent, spent the whole battle sneaking around the battlefield and not actually, you know, that making only, attacks. That only happened Ro- once. Roll twenty does not help you with this. My my well, wife and I can attest. We <laughs> we can roll ones like nobody's business. But at least you can read the dice. You can read the dice and roll 20 because I have a lot of players who are novices. I mean, they've played D&D for a couple of years, but they're they're a lot of them are at beginner level with the mechanics. I love that roll 20 has all the stuff literally at their fingertips. Yeah. Like yeah. where they're not. We're not. Oh, God, I got to pass the one. The player's handbook friggin again because we've forgotten how the spell works. No, it's right there. So and if you want to if you want to go completely and totally overboard. Roll twenty has a very uh, large API, and you can actually write code it, to do craziness with this. But can you it script it looks, with Ansible? Yeah, probably. <laughs> it looks spectacular. I'm at the. Uh, I'm actually a subscriber now. I'm the. I'm the five bucks a month subscriber. 
Because honest to God, I don't care. If this lets me run my game night most Tuesdays of the month, it's worth the money I paid for the digital copies of the books, and it's worth the five bucks a month because it's awesome. They're doing they're doing the Lord's work cre- creating this platform. And yeah, it looks like I, it's matured a lot since I first looked at it. So yeah, that's I think cool. it's, it felt like it matured a lot since I played it only several months ago uh, when I was playing with the group that Charles is still part of. So, I mean, they're they're apparently improving it frequently because it, it feels better even just since then. So what I what I liked w- during your game Tuesday was it felt like most of the people or maybe all of the people in the game had no idea how to use roll 20 coming into that. Right. And they all. Well, that's picked, why. Yeah. They all picked it up very quickly and the game just well, that- started going. Right. Well, that's cool. because I'm a talented friggin' Tam, and that's I'm very it. good at introducing people to technology. <laughs> that's it. That's no, I. It, it was intentionally what I called session zero, with the idea that, uh, hey, we were going to spend half of the session just learning the platform. Yeah. And I didn't try and teach him everything. You know, like I, I assigned that we they pick their tokens. I assign their tokens. Then I threw the tavern, and I'm like, okay, yeah. here's how you put your token on the table. Okay, everybody can move their tokens around in the tavern, and that that's how you do this, and that's how you do that, and it worked out pretty well. Yeah, I thought it did. Went went pretty well. Yeah. So if you need me to be a role playing Tam, uh, I I'm my, those those services are available too. Maybe maybe much, that'll much cheaper than paying for me as a platform Tam. Maybe that'll be your uh, <laughs> your after retirement career, right? Like some maybe people, some people I've always said like a, a, an after career after they've retired. Maybe that'll be that. You'll you'll be a a roll twenty Tam. Well, you know <laughs> when I was in college, I had I one of my one of my favorite game masters ever, Eric. Uh, He's still one of the best game masters I've ever met. I we talked about. I wonder if we could just have a business where you we, you could like rent a game master. Like, would that be a viable business plan? Like, you got a group of players and they wanna they wanna play a game, but none of them want to be a game master, I and mean, you just have a pool of talented there, people. There so is, so that exists already. Does it? It does. Yes, absolutely. I, I actually That's thought the we problem. About I don't monetize the, stuff that I think of. Ah! No, so so there are you can put out oh there's an article about this. I, I want to say we I ran across it last year. I, I could have sworn we talked about it on the podcast, but um you can uh uh there are professional game masters who put out um advertisements and everything and and for, you know, 500 bucks they'll come and run your game. Interesting. And and they are making enormous amounts of money. Well, I mean, a quality DM is not always an easy thing to find. No. I, I feel like I've lucked out, and I've played with a, a couple of very high-quality DMs. I've played with a couple that were not so great. <laughs> I think we all have. Yeah. So finding a good one is is sometimes tough, and that might actually be worth it for someone who wants to put up that kind of money. Well, you have a party and of... of five people to play a game you know it gets cheaper so is that 500 bucks a session um uh, it varies you know uh uh if i can find an article on it i'll throw it in the notes that's fascinating to me i would love to read that that's cool i i see this ad come up should i be a prostitute or a game master (laughs) which is more profitable i've been i've been seeing an ad come up on one of the social platforms that i'm on every so often it's actually from i think wizards and uh it's 
it, it could be an ad for exactly what you just described because like the, the tagline is, Oh, I can be your game master. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I just dropped I it in the chat. There's a, there's a master. Bloomberg article um, from last year about how to be a professional Dungeons and Dragons game master. Interesting. Which, which chat? The private the chat. Private chat. I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna throw gonna, it in the notes. Uh, I was gonna say I'll copy it and throw it in the notes, but uh, you can do that. Sweet. Yeah, the notes would be good. Or put it. Make sure we put it where our viewers can see it. Yeah. So our listeners. Well, the notes go to the listeners. That's right. Yep. Yep. It'll go to the listeners once I post. The, Shut up, the noob co-host. We know what we're doing here. Okay. So, at any rate, I think we've covered the topic pretty well, unless anybody has like an extra thing they wanted to throw in here. But um, I basically, I f I feel like games like D and D are like the they're 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 the father of these sort of social games, and the the fact that we're able to play them online while we're all stuck at home, I think, is great. I gotta tell you that one, even once this these trying times are over, I, I seriously am going to think about taking this campaign I'm running and continuing it. Probably have to move it to another night, but because it's 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 fun. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen I've seen a couple uh, uh, game developers, you know, like just normal tabletop games that have come out with the uh, modified rules for playing the games over over like Zoom. So oh, cool. uh, the one that the one that jumps to mind is um, the guys who made uh, Exploding Kittens and Bears versus Babies, I believe, put out a set of rules so you can play it online. <laughs> I own both. And you know what? It works in their the favor. Box. It works in their favor because everybody who plays has to have a copy. Yeah, works out for them. Uh, how does that even work? I should check I, those rules out. There's, they have the rules for it. I haven't tried it, but they have the rules set up for it. That's cool. So, um, this actually brings me to the, like the the sort of the final point. I don't know if anybody has an answer to this, but does anyone know if there's actually a competitor to Roll Twenty? Is there anything else that does this, or are they like the only ones in this space? Uh, Google Wave did this, right? <laughs> Charles is laughing. I don't even oh, know what God. Google Wave is. Way, oh, way, way back in the it's in the dark cool. ages when Google had yet another app that they created and just killed. When the hell uh, was that? No, no. Oh, so this has a Lafayette connection. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so well, the so Google Google Wave was like a, a real time chat document thing that they created and, yeah. and one of the biggest uses for it that i had seen online was that people were using it for running games that's cool we tried to use it to manage um one of the first moodle hack docs it was at uh, lafayette back in like 2010 and wave i think it was wave had launched like right before it and so we tried to use it and it just completely fell down like it did not work at all and we just got more and more frustrated so as this be the conference went on as we were trying to trying to use it as a collaboration tool and just uh. so was it effectively trying to be the predecessor to docs no it's well, kinda... docs existed in 2010 i think i'm not sure yeah. what wave would have done i'm having a hard time I, imagining what thing. google wave was trying I, to do i think wave was before docs was multi-user so like Docs oh, existed, and and it was only the doc that you could edit. But Wave sort of introduced. Wave was like the the beginning of of having multiple people in yeah um, in the same document editing at the same time. And apparently, and apparently it was terrible at it. Poorly. <laughs> so so Josh, our listener, um, 
I know he's not our only listener, but he's our live listener now who's talking. He's the one chatting. Points out, ta- yeah, Tabletop Simulator on Steam, which I do own, and it does work in VR, by the way, is in a similar space of Roll20, although oh. obviously <laughs> completely different concept. It's it's attempting to simulate the physical tabletop, and you've got the tokens and the pieces and all that stuff. Roll20 doesn't have... Roll20 doesn't go that crazy, although you right. can turn on 3D dice. Ooh. But, which we might do i don't know yeah so the gray fear i mean can see his critical 20 (laughs) land on the table uh in a way you could say that neverwinter nights tackled this because you could create worlds and dm them in in a in a real-time way absolutely the the the, 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 a lot of people the the original intention for neverwinter nights was you know, the DM would create a module yeah. and run the monsters and the NPCs and the players would play it like a conventional module. What a lot of us said was, holy crap, we can make our own persistent worlds and use the Java-like scripting language to let them run automatically yep. so that we don't have to pay Sony, uh, you know, the you know 10 bucks a month because, frig, we don't have any money, you know. That was the time of my life when I was broke, and ten bucks a month actually meant something. Yeah, well, so. we we actually tried. We, I was playing with a gaming group at the time, a table like an actual in person tabletop gaming group, and I tried to convince everyone like, "Hey, why don't we try to build a module in Neverwinter Nights, and then we can play it together that way, right?" And everyone balked yeah. at simply the price of buying Neverwinter Nights because everyone had to own yeah. a copy of the game. So, right. Yeah. But yeah, but so so there was some balking, but. Remember, those are the days. So think from an MMO standpoint, those are the days when you had to buy the box and you had the monthly monthly sub. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. suddenly, oh, we just have to buy the box and we can uh, we can stand up a free MMO. Yep. We're in. Yeah. Yeah. So so it appears that I rolled a one on the DevOps Dice of Doom uh, and I'm being summoned. So I I have to vanish. I see you in chat. We were just about to finish up the main topic anyway. So, Jason, thanks for being here. I know you you uh, you have work commitments and whatnot, but uh, I think unfortunately it was valuable having your input. So uh, as Jason drops, I think we're going to roll our way straight on into the next segment of the show. So is that the purple button? That is you have a better memory than Jason. It is the purple button. Yes, the purple yes. button. Here goes Press the, the purple button. Right, right the next to the red button. button. Not the red button. The red button. Don't push the red button. button. No, purple. Gonna, <laughs> press purple. So that was fun. A little more of a... Uh, whimsical uh, topic than the usual heavy operations focused sysadmin topics that we might try to tackle on this show. I th- I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it as well. And Josh, I realize you are bailing. Good luck on your quest of parenting. Ah, uh, that's a bad reason. Yeah, the kid will change but... its own diaper. Or I don't know what how old you eventually. Kids are. <laughs> the kid will do whatever it needs to do on its own. In, you know, it's might or, not perish. We do not know for sure, but it will most likely years. survive. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, in the line of announcements, um, I have our usual patron updates. Uh, we have 14 patrons now. We actually gained, I think, one since our last show, which is awesome. Um, so we've got, uh, in no particular order, Andy, Jay, Mark, Julius, that's Mark with a K, Julius, 
Sog WTF. A hammock. Used, used to be Captain Sog. He changed his name. I was so. wondering where the captain was. Yep. The, the captain is now Sog WTF. He retired from, from service, and I now guess. he's a civilian again. I guess. Uh, Mark with a C, who... Hi, Mark. Um, oh, hi. Charles. Hi, Charles. Uh, Linux X6... Sis, yeah, Sis666, six, 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 who's been a contributor, not a contributor, but been following us and chatting with us on Twitter for probably several years at this point. Uh, Ryan, Gimpy B, uh, Jason, who's not th- that Jason, um, <laughs> John22532, and uh, Dementor, who we had on the show uh, a couple months ago now. Uh, so those are the current patrons. Um, I'm trying to remember which is the latest. I think... Was well, don't you put the one of the marks was the latest? I don't remember now. Anyway, the latest. No, it might, uh, it might be uh, Linux six six six. Anyway, uh, I don't know. So they these guys are in no particular orders that I'm hearing. Indeed, they're not in order of like when. So they when joined, someone becomes a patron, you just money, throw them on the list. Just, I export the list from Patreon. The order that oh, okay. it gives it to me in shows up in the show notes. So so the um, order is is Discordish. Dis- Discordish, sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm stretching now. But at any rate, uh, thank you guys for being a for being patrons, and we appreciate the uh, the contribution to the show. Thank you, fine people. Speaking of contributions to the show, we don't have any new reviews this month or this week. These two weeks, these three weeks, it's been three weeks since our last show. So uh, if you guys want to give us feedback on how we're doing, please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Or whatever platform you uh, you listen to us on that allows for commenting. If you feel like we've missed your feedback and you want to hear it right on the show, uh, just let us know. Either ping us on uh, Twitter at Iron Sysadmin, or you can send the show an email podcast at ironsysadmin.com. And that about closes up the announcements. I don't have any news on any upcoming events because they've probably all been canceled anyway. Womp womp. Womp womp, indeed. So, that moves us into chat. Charles is back. Charles is back. I didn't even realize I thought he had possibly away. been raptured. I never I left. I didn't think you uh, you left because I, I couldn't see this window because I was busy reading through the patrons and stuff. He was always here in our hearts. Indeed. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's the Lifetime Movie episode of the Iron Sis Admin, where they discover that Charles had always been with their hearts. Ay, ay, ay. Ooh. And there was a dog. I, I don't know. Well, there's, there's got to be some lovable pet in a Hallmark movie, right? Absolutely. So, at any rate, um, I got a new monitor since our last show. It's pretty cool. Yeah? Yeah. Nothing like crazy fancy, just like within the range that uh, Red Hat would reimburse me for. <laughs> so it's not like a big fancy monitor, but it's bigger than any monitor that I had, which is good. Uh, but then I had the problem where I have only so big of a desk and it would only fit the laptop plus one monitor. So I had to figure out what to do with that. Uh, so I spent about a week where I had more monitor than I had desk and it was very mm. crowded and cramped and I decided I couldn't live. Yeah, I couldn't live that way. So I got one of these stands that mounts to the edge of the desk and holds up the two monitors, which they're of different sizes, so it looks a little lopsided, but it works out okay. Um, and I got to say that I don't know how I lived without one of these stands for so long. It's awesome. It 
the whole it opened up so much on my desk for me. I have so much more room to do things like set to down crap on. pens or my drink or like a notebook or whatever, which all felt so crowded before. Maybe part of that is because I cleaned off the whole desk in order to set this all up. I don't know, but um, yeah. you know, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see a, how that sticks in a couple of weeks <laughs> if my desk just becomes just as crowded as it, as it was. But I do have a lot more desktop area now, and it's really great. I really like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna side bet on yes on that one. Yeah, eventually but, yeah. it'll be a crowded we'll, we'll follow, mess. We'll follow that up. It'll be a crowded mess. But That's I did awesome. I did already put the uh, the companion cube back on my desk. Oh, nice! Anyone who's played Portal knows what the command the companion cube is, and uh, I do already have the. The model of the Millennium Falcon back on my desk, which is is good, and uh, my my little Jeep. So uh, yeah, all of the important things are on my desk again. So you know, it's feeling good. All things that tingle in the cockles of your heart, as Sabretooth would say, perhaps mm-hmm. even in the subcockles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he typed it. I'm just repeating what our viewers are saying. <laughs> <laughs> so. At any rate, that's what I've had going on in the past couple weeks. That and, you know, staying at home and finding things to do. It's amazing how many things I can find to do that I have not been doing around the house that I now am doing because I'm stuck here Mm. and there's nothing else to do. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not bothering with that myself, but that's fine. Yeah. Although I'm smoking a lot of meat, as we've talked about. Right. So what do you guys have going on? Anything fun? Charles, have you been working on your model trains or something since you're stuck at home or you've been too busy? I should be, but it's just like, you know, you get to the end of the day and into the work day and you're just kind of tired. I know the feeling. Um, so, you know, I, I bike, you know, I make sure I do that as long as the weather is at all cooperative and did something new. There's these um, switchbacked roads that kind of lead up so in college, so in Easton, there's this big hill where the college is and there's a lot of housing and there's switchbacks going up to the top. And so you can get a bit of a view and there's a park and some trails. I'd never been up that way because I didn't really know it was there, but I biked that. Um, definitely put some work in, but it was worth it. It was nice. Cool. Sure. That's probably a good thing to be doing. Uh you know, to keep your fitness up since you're stuck at home, right? Um, hey, I'm losing weight. This is great. Yeah, yeah. The The wife and I have started running. I don't know if we talked about that on the last show or not. I'm yeah, you mentioned that the last time. I may have touched on it, um, but we're still doing it. It's good. Um, like I may have mentioned, I, I have, you know, some history of running, although I haven't done it in years. So I kind of knew what I was getting into, but um, she didn't, you know, like she she's, <laughs> like most people, had some, like, you know, more strenuous activity in, in her younger years, but hers was like gymnastics and stuff um, and not running. Running is a very endurance based sport and it's really hard for some people to get into because it's like, there's a lot of pain when you start running, but uh, she's been doing a really good job of it. I'm really proud of her. So that's been going out Word. Been going pretty well. Cool. Unlike you, I have, I have lost weight, gained it again and lost it again and gained it again. And that's kind of how it goes for me. <laughs> so starting running has simply made me more hungry. <laughs> that just kind of means that I maintain the weight that I'm at. 
<laughs> well, it could be your fat turning to muscle, which weighs more than fat, which is what I'm trying to convince myself that I'm doing because I've been tracking calories and mostly behaving, but my weight's creeping up again. I'm like, what the actual? That's totally going to be it. Because I had had cooties and lost a bunch of weight because I just wasn't eating anything but fruit cups and fruit cups and grilled cheese sandwiches. But I also wasn't walking. Yeah. So I would like to believe that since I've been rigorous about the walking, uh, at least a half hour a day, that maybe I'm replacing fat with muscles, and that's maybe why the weight's creeping back up. Could be. Because I'm trying to be careful. I, I, I that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Damn it. <laughs> I wanted to stay in the 220s, but if I actually record it when I weighed this morning, I'd have to put 230 in the app. And I'm like, no, it's not Tuesday. Screw it. I'm not writing it down. It doesn't count. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Damn it. Perfect. No, I've, I've actually been tracking my weight daily, which is why I know I've, I've been. Ooh. It's like it's like I'll That's lose all move, cotton. I'll, I'll lose a pound, like a whole pound. And I'll be like, oh, great. That worked great. And then the, That's next water. Day, the next day I will have gained like 0.8 of a pound. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, a gallon then, of water is seven pounds. Yeah, and then, one thing you got to do is you got to make sure you're always weighing plus, yourself like the same time yeah, of day. That's what I do every morning. Okay. I get up like wearing first, the same whatever you wear. Yeah, like first thing I do, I get up, I get out of bed, I have I have a pill I've taken in the morning. I take that, I weigh myself, and then I go home my day. You don't take a dump first. I didn't think that was worth sharing with the viewers. Well, no, it's important to try and lighten the load, if you will. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But no, the the point is I try to be in the same basic state every day. That, okay, we'll settle for that. Same basic state. Yeah. So. You're like, you forget Uncle Mark is basically 14. So (laughs) you have to, you have to factor that in. So at my any son, rate. My, my son is learning that building some homebrew stuff can be difficult. Okay. He actually invested. He invested in all the parts and stuff to build the minty pie, <laughs> which is a Raspberry Pi Zero, I think it is, a Raspberry okay. Pi in an Altoids box that runs uh, Retro Pi. Oh, nice! And it ends up looking like a little Nintendo handheld thing, but he screwed up a ribbon cable, like when he was assembling it, and he was pissed. Yeah. And I get that because I have, I have, you, you know, when you're working on a project and you're like, okay, it goes this way and you double check. Okay. I'm putting it in right. Right. No, you put it in wrong. <laughs> and then it was backwards Even, or upside down. Oh, uh, and then it's, yeah. it's, and then it's, it's enough that it screws it up. So the replacement ribbon cable, the guy was sending him a replacement for a buck and he got some stuff today. He needed to, for it as well. So he was pissed though. He was upset. And I'm like, well, dude, because I think I think he's sometimes not used to adversity as well. No, believe me, I, I get it. I've I've done stuff <laughs> like that where you're in the midst of a complicated project or even a not so complicated project, and like you triple check something. You know, and right. And like you, you, you run the DD command against the right machine, and you know, and right. you didn't. And then all of a sudden, you know, the production thing goes down, and you're like, yeah. oh wait, but I double checked it. Why? No, no, this was right. Yeah, mm. it was right. Why did it break? <laughs> it must be the computer's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so those are always interesting exercises when, I, when as a parent, especially if you tend to be a little too overprotective, which we probably are with him sometimes. 
But he's like me sometimes in, in that he's not patient. And I know what happened. He didn't think he didn't think carefully before he acted. He he didn't follow the instructions properly or whatever. And the universe doesn't give a crap sometimes. No, it doesn't. And and he learned. And so his project got delayed for a couple of days because he needed the replacement part shipped. In fact, I, I did it while setting up these monitors. Now that I was trying to think, like I just did this the other day. What was it? It was these monitors. So the stand yeah. the stand that I bought has a sort of a crossbar on the back that has like these these adjustable arms that are that are horizontally adjustable but not vertically adjustable, right? The two monitors I have, um, these things bolt to the, the four holes on the back of the monitor, right? Well, those are at different points on the two monitors. One of them's lower than the other, right? So what I did to try to compensate for that was the, the little mounting points are sort of offset. So I flipped one of them over to try to move that monitor up a little bit or down. I forget which one it was now. To try to compensate all around. Right, yeah. for the for the, the fact that they were uneven. And I like three times looked at the back of the monitors, looked at the arm, looked at the back of the monitors, looked at the arm, swore I was flipping the right one. And I didn't. I flipped the wrong one. <laughs> and then I got the <laughs> monitors on, and instead they were just further out of whack. <laughs> and yeah. I had to take the whole thing back apart again. Flipped them both over now because now the one was upside down and the one was the where it was supposed to be, but they both had to be the opposite direction they were, and then put them back together. So, yeah, I've been there. It was quite frustrating. I also cut my finger open, which was really annoying. But at any rate, I have, I have to screen cap that we started streaming sixty nine minutes ago because again I'm fourteen. Oh, okay. good. But now it's seventy minutes and twenty five seconds. It is, but I screen capped the 69, so. <laughs> uh, uh, so speaking yeah, of our, so, speaking so of I wish my son success with that. Yeah, so. that should be cool. That should be cool. I've, I've oh, built it'll a, be awesome when it's done. I built a RetroPie on a Pi Zero, and I have to say I was a little bit underwhelmed by the performance. Um, well. So hopefully yeah. he, he, he doesn't try to play anything that's too... Uh, Nintendo. He's gonna be he's gonna be playing some of the old school Nintendo stuff on it, so I think it'll be okay. That's he's not gonna be trying to play. He's not gonna be doing like the heavy lifting arcade games. Yeah, like Mame stuff just didn't work on the Pi. Yeah, no, he's not doing Mame. He's doing more like the old school Nintendo stuff. He that dude loves his classic Nintendo stuff. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right, so I guess we'll move along into the news, unless anybody had anything else they wanted to bring up. In the chat section? Mm. No, I think we're good. Good then. Let's hit that button again. Which button is this? The same one. It's the purple button? Indeed. All right, so from the news, I was really hoping Jason would stick around for this one, but unfortunately work called him away because I know we have opposing opinions on this particular topic. Uh, so the news article comes from Reuters. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, I think it's Reuters, what some people call it. Um, so the is anybody familiar with Keybase? Charles, are you? I don't remember if you, you weren't. You're not a Keybase user. Mark, you? Mm -hmm. No? No, I've only heard about it since... This whole stuff. And then some of our coworkers were yapping about it. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know what they're talking about. So I got bored and played Animal Crossing. So um, I don't want to get too like 
deeply into this particular article or whatever, but I do want to give like a rough description of what Keybase is. So many, many years ago, maybe like 10 years ago, might be a little less, uh, this service showed up called Keybase. Mm-hmm. That um, so if you're if you're familiar with how GPG key works or PGP keys work, you've got mm-hmm. public key, private key. You can share your public key. You can encrypt things. It's like SSH. Yeah, it's really the usual public key. Same idea. Yeah. Here's the public key, and I keep the private key right. secret close right. to my heart. The message gets encrypted with my public right. key, and only my private key can decrypt it. So GPG GNU Privacy Guard has been really popular amongst a number of communities, especially the open source community. Um, you of course. can encrypt your emails with it. You can do like all kinds of stuff. It's like the accepted standard. The problem is, how do you share your public key? You can physically share it with people or whatever. And how do you validate trust? How do you validate, yes, this is in fact my private or my public key, right? Uh, there's key servers that exist, but they don't really put any validation in place. What Keybase did is it tied together a... GPG key store with a validation system, with a way to validate your identity. And what they would do is similar to like if you're registering your domain with Google, for example, or if you're setting up something where they need to validate that you own a thing, uh, they'll have you do things like, okay, you claim that your domain is ironsysadmin.com, but if you really own that domain, that means you can make changes to the DNS records. Put this special DNS record in, and then Keybase can validate that you own that domain or whatever you're working with, right? And the right, same it thing, makes sense. The same thing goes with, like, is this really your GitHub account? Is this really your email address? Is this really your Twitter account, right? Like, you could link all these different things. And then Keybase would use that as a way to prove that this GPG key is, in fact, yours. And that's how they started, right? And then once uh, once they got further along, they incorporated things like a fully end-to-end encrypted chat system and an end-to-end encrypted file sharing system and a number of other neat little add-on services that would all depend on your G- on the GPG key infrastructure, right? You'd encrypt things GPG, your public key would let, you know, sharing your public key with people would let them decrypt it. Um, or not exactly that, but signing it such that their private key can decrypt it would allow them to decrypt it. Really cool service. Always, it's always been free. It's they've always been pretty upfront about how they do things, and it's just been a really cool service, and I've liked it. So I tell you all that to lead up to this article, which is Zoom pushes ahead on security on security, buying Keybase and uh, and reaching reaching pact with New York, reaching uh, Keybase and reaching. Okay, whatever. So uh, basically, Zoom is buying Keybase. And this this upsets me simply because I don't necessarily hate Zoom in the way that I would be even more upset if, say, like Microsoft had bought Keybase or something. Um, but it's definitely uh, it, it shakes my faith. It shakes my faith in in the 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 Keybase system, the sort of data which we've been able to trust, uh, you know, putting in Keybase, and it led me personally to deleting my Keybase account. After I read this account, after I read this this article, um, that's not to say that I don't like Zoom. I think Zoom's an okay company. I don't trust them that much, though. Now uh, I know that that Jason, when I talked to him about it, hmm. he basically said, "I don't, I don't fear Zoom that much. I'm going to keep my Keybase account. I'm not worried about it." And I and that's that's up to anybody who's using the service to decide. Yes, I like Zoom. No, I don't like Zoom. I don't trust it anymore, or whatever. Now. Granted, it's unlikely that they'll be able to get encrypted data out of Keybase, but simply 
I don't know. I just it gives me the the creeps knowing that Zoom owns Keybase, and I just decided that that's it. I'm I'm gonna delete my Keybase account, which makes me sad. I really liked Keybase. So, there we go. I don't know if either of you have any input on any of that whole big long rant that I just uh, <laughs> just spit out there. Well, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I don't have the same investment that you do, but um, I was impressed by the way. Zoom responded to all the concerns over its privacy, particularly yes. bringing Alex Damos on, um, on board to consult and advise. Um, you know, that that seemed like a good move. So <clears throat> I don't know. I can certainly think of worse companies. Um, no, you're right. Oracle. Yeah, it I was going to say, I mean, it Oracle. been bought by Oracle. <laughs> So, Oracle's my go-to a-hole company. Yeah. So yeah. See? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty safe bet, I think. Um, we should have somebody on the show to defend Oracle. Good luck with that. Uh-uh. Yeah. I, I do know one person that would probably defend them, but I don't really want them on the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you must know the person I'm talking about. <laughs> because they're the kind of person who's going to defend Oracle. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So uh, anyway. Uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm sad about Keybase. I know there's probably going to be a huge divide amongst folks who like, yeah, I don't care. Zoom's fine. I'm going to go ahead and keep my Keybase account. And there's going to be other people that reacted the same way that I just did. Uh, so whatever. It does, like, there was a point while deleting my account where they literally said, in order, so because of the type of service that Keybase is, nobody can reopen my Keybase account. Nobody can create a Keybase account with my name even myself. Like I can't go back in and say, I want my Keybase account back. That's it. It's final. There's no chance. You can't have it back. Uh, so that was like a real moment for me where I'm like, oh man, I have my username with it. And this is me. It's been me on Keybase for the past several, I don't know, eight, nine years that I've been a Keybase member. So yeah, it was a big deal for me. And I'm really kind of so upset I about it. So Daniel and Chad's asking, do they maintain other open source projects? I'm wondering if these talk about Keybase. So I really looked at Keybase to see if so the, the Keybase client is open source. I knew that. I was looking at, at their Git repos to see if the Keybase server was also open source and maybe it could be forked and spun off into a new service. Unfortunately, they never open sourced the server software. Well, that's handy. It is, right? So I didn't know that. and So uh, Richard Stallman is crying right now. Right. So now that I know that, I almost don't feel as bad about deleting my account because it seemed like, why would you not release that? Why would you not release the server software? And I found this long thread where they were arguing with someone who was asking them that, that exact same question. You're not following the true open source model by not releasing your open source software, your open source um, server. Uh, and they... They went back to a piece within the Keybase server that helped eliminate spam, and they were they were protecting that as intellectual property, and because of that, they couldn't release the server software. Whatever. Yeah, I know, right? So whatever. Whatever your excuse wants to be. So at any rate, um, let's uh, – so yeah. Article is in the show notes, but it basically just says, hey, Zoom is buying Keybase. Hey. Some people are sad about it. Mm. So, Charles, I don't know what you're hammering on, but we hear it through your mic. 
Sorry. <laughs> Angry typing. Angry typing. Yeah. Well, at least it's not echoing. At least it's not echoing. I don't know if the echo's been so bad. I actually turned down my own mic input volume on the PC, which means it should be sending less. It shouldn't be quite as hot coming to you guys. And that, yeah. I feel like it, it lowered the echo, but I'm not so sure. So it wasn't it poor Uncle Mark's fault. Well, okay. it, it could have been that I was so loud coming through to you that it was somehow feeding back into your mic. Not your fault. <laughs> okay. All but, right. I'll take it. At any rate. Um, our next article is from PC Magazine. Who remembers PC Magazine when it was still a magazine? Is is it still a magazine? Is that the one John Dvorak wrote for? Uh, maybe. Yeah, I didn't like him very much. He was a pompous ass. Was it all is because he still of alive? Because of that other keyboard layout that he does? No, he just he just was a bit of a pompous ass. Is he still alive? I wonder. John yeah. Dvorak. Yes, he is still alive. And oh, he got he... fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh he God. wrote for a number of publications. Um, oh, yeah, he's 68. But did anybody start using his keyboard layout? That's what I want to know. A different Dvorak. Oh, okay. Uh, how, he, how apparently he's the name. <laughs> apparently he's the nephew of the keyboard guy. Oh, okay. I liked Leo. La I liked Leo Laporte better. He's my he's my more favorite '90s tech personality, okay. Leo Laporte. So at any rate, PC Magazine used to be this very. No, I'm thinking of uh, Computer Shopper that was enormously huge, like the thick of a. The oh God, that thing! Yeah, that the magazine that could kill you if but, it landed. Uh, on. But PC Magazine was an honest to goodness like print magazine, and it I was think, a legit magazine. Yeah, there were a bunch. I think there was Byte. Remember Byte? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a great one. Uh, Computer Gaming World was amazing. Mm -hmm. I loved Computer Gaming World. Mm -hmm. It was better than the one we we actually because we spend money at GameStop because again my son's the Nintendo addict. We actually, I guess, we have the thing that gets his Game Informer, which is actually a physical magazine. Oh wow! So that's like a bit of a flashback. Yeah, having, having a physical gaming magazine. I remember like, like I mean, the, it's kind of cool. The old Nintendo I mean, I, Power days. Yeah. <laughs> getting the Nintendo yeah. magazine gives you all the cool hints and did I read it? Did I even freaking read this? Probably not. Mm. No, this is about the new WoW, the new WoW expansion that I'm absolutely not going to buy. Of course um, not. But at any rate, the article from PC Magazine that I was trying to, to tell you all about, uh, and this this uh, literally came across to me from somebody on Facebook who's like, all these silly coronavirus measures are stupid. Um, but I thought that the article itself actually had a bit of uh, useful uh, information. In it. So the yeah. title, the the title of the article is "Here's How Contact Tracing Will Work on iPhones and Android Phones." And by contact tracing, I don't mean like your phone's contacts. I don't mean like people that you have in your contact list. I mean the contact you've had with other people. And this is why I thought it was interesting, because it really scares me that this is a feature now in both Android and iOS, or at least it will be shortly. Uh, both Google, the people who make Android, and Apple, the people who make iOS, are working to create an API within their operating systems that is opt-in, mind you, so that's important. It's not on by default. For now. Something you have to turn on. For now, it's opt-in. 
uh, for now. That, that basically exposes um, it. They're not making their own apps for this, right? But healthcare providers or anyone really who wants to be able to leverage this API can write apps that can talk to this API on your phone, which can literally keep track of who you've been near that's also had the feature turned on on their phone. Of course, this is all being done in the name of tracking the spread of coronavirus. So here's the way this works. There's a uh, basically a Bluetooth beacon that will be running on your device. Boom. And anytime you come close, and the, 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 the code which Boom. identifies that beacon rotates, right? So it's not like it's going to be the same thing all the time, which could, of course, lead to some sort of a, a leak of uh, you know your private data. Uh, because if you walked by the same shop six times in a week, right, and that shop is listening for beacons, they could see, oh, that ID has walked past this shop, whatever. That's just my cooked up example. But the beacons do rotate. The ID on the beacons does do rotate. Uh, but of course, the phone keeps track of it, and it must there must be some central way that it tracks who's had what beacons at what times. Yeah, the friggin' cloud. Right. Don't. Be, I read the article. Don't be fooled that you can't trace exactly. Oh, yes, yes. So the way this works, right, is, uh, as you might guess from the way I've been describing this, if... I'm not turning it on, by the way. If I walk close to Uncle Mark, and both of us have this feature turned on, my phone and his phone track that we were near each other, okay? So, you know, just say we walked by each other in the park, right? Or just say we sat on a park bench. What are you this, doing this creeping the, around me on a park bench? Right. This is the example Creepy they use in the article. If uh, if two people sat at the opposite ends of a park bench, practicing proper social distancing, right? They made a they made a point of saying that and had a conversation, and then you know ten days later, one of the two members of that of that conversation are diagnosed with uh, COVID nineteen. That's going to be Nate, by the way. And they reported. Because he doesn't wash his hands. Yeah, I totally wash my hands. And they report it in the app. So that's the key, right? You have to actually go to the app and say, I've got COVID nineteen. I was just diagnosed. Your phone will then report back and say, these are all the people you've been in contact with in the past 14 days when you may have been contagious. Okay? And then all those people will get a ping that's, that doesn't tell you who that you were contacted, like who you were near. It'll simply say, hey, you were near somebody that is now positive for COVID-19. And, you know... You may want to know that because you could have been exposed in the past 14 days. Now, at face value, this sounds like a very valuable thing, okay? It helps us not just track exposure for things like COVID-19, but possibly other serious diseases. The problem is this is a huge, and I mean huge, privacy concern. And on top of that, in my opinion, it's going to be only as accurate as the participation that you get. So if I decide... That's too intrusive for me. I'm not turning that on. And then I go and I'm and I'm near 10,000 people because I get around, right? And then in 10 days, I'm diagnosed with COVID-19. Those 10,000 people get nothing. They get no notification because I didn't turn it on. So on one side, it's like, do they force people to turn this on? Which I'm going to say, no, that's a very bad idea. On the other side, it's, is it worth the violation of privacy for a system that's going to be inaccurate at best well of course it actually gets more accurate the more um the more compulsion and coercion is involved i mean that's kind of the problem right right um so 
so Nate, at what point do you stop do you stop prioritizing yourself? I guess is really the question. Um, without a good contact tracing program, we're going to have problems going back to what we might consider a normal way of life. Now, you're right. There's a huge privacy concern here. But we need a way to do contra- contact tracing, and this is less manpower intensive than some of the alternatives. I don't. Um, I would argue that I don't think we need a good way of contact tracing. I think public health professionals would disagree with you. They might, but they do. I I still like this is this is a similar slippy slippery slope argument to so many other things in this world that never get enough buy-in from both sides of of any issue it's never i don't think it's ever going to be mandated it's always going to be this thing that people can opt into or not and if you want to opt into it that's fine with me i don't think i'm going to i don't think i ever will i will i will i will do my best to protect myself and if i get sick protect other people by being responsible with my own health what about the per- what about the person you pass by who isn't so careful? It's the same chance I take with so many other possible viruses, possible infections, possible whatevers. Mm. So, so you know, I will I'll play along. So, um, when's the last time you were um, in regular risk of being exposed to a virus with this way of passing, this mortality rate? and the almost complete lack of prevention, a cure, or effective treatment. Charles, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that this is a step too far. No, no. What you're saying is, no, but you are saying you're trying to find some way where your choice is justifiable. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but, um, like, we're going to have to make some sacrifices here if the country is going to go back to normal, which does not mean throw our privacy away, but it does mean, I think we have to go a little bit further than the principled, my privacy is important um, stand. I think we have to push a little harder on that. Except we've been giving up our privacy for years. We have. And, and I think some of us have been saying that for years and people Mm -hmm. haven't been listening. And this is one of those things where, I'm I'm kind of like Nate. I'm I'm crying enough on this one because I, you know, you can say that it's anonymous as much as you want, but it really isn't. Oh, I mean, I'm if sure. it, know, if sure it knows, won't do it right. If I if it knows which phones to contact, that means that basically some idiot in the government can know where I've been you know, for a period of 15 to 30 days. And that's assuming they actually delete the data. And I mean, they know that anyway. Do they? Yeah. Mm. You can get that off cell towers. I I mean, unless you're being real careful with how you use your phone. Yes. A a cell tower isn't going to give you direct information as to who you've been in contact with. That could give you information as to who you've been within a couple hundred feet of, maybe a couple miles of. That's not this kind of data. Look, I don't love it, but um, I also don't particularly love heading into the fall with no vaccine. No real effect treatment, um, no good testing regime, and no contact tracing. 
Yeah, which I, means so I mean, cool. I mean, if we want to say, all right, well, we gave away all our privacy to Facebook, but now that it's anti-pandemic, no, nah, no, nah, here's the line in the sand. Like, no, no, that's okay. Not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. Sure, that's not what I'm saying. But, but this not, is what people I'm, will say. I'm not saying that it's because of the pandemic that it's not okay. I'm saying that this is a step too far. Like who I who I talk to on Facebook is not literally tracking physically who I've been near. Right? You can't tell me that data is not going to get abused. You can't tell me that that data is not going to get used for eventually used for advertising and spamming and like freaking private investigators that are looking for dirt on politicians and whatever. This is going to be abused and it's a bad oh, idea. Probably. It's a of bad idea. Nate, of course it's going to get abused. We can't walk open-eyed into a system that we know is going to be abused and say, oh, it's fine because of the pandemic. Why not? We do that all the time. Well, maybe we should stop doing it. Maybe we should stop doing it. Good point. Anyway, and, just, and just what I'm saying is this might be the one time where I would say this is maybe not the time to draw that line in the sand. Because I think we already lost the war. Well. I don't know. I think we're going to have to agree to, dis to to disagree on that one. And I'm sure that there are listeners that are on both sides of this fence, and we're probably going to hear from both of them. But <laughs> No doubt. No doubt. Well, and, I, and believe me, I really hate being on the somewhere close to the side of think of the children because I hate people who make that kind of argument. But um, it's but normally, you know, we say, oh, when somebody think of the children, it's usually some, you know, faux moral outrage where there's not actually a problem. You know, like the D and D panic or something. There's actually a problem, but that's right. But I, but so about. here, but here's the thing, though, right? I think people, most rational people, are taking reasonable steps anyway, right? Like One my fam. What's that? One hopes, though. Um, we 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 could spend the entire night figuring out what <clears throat> who qualifies as rational, but right. right. So, but Go I on. can only speak. I can only speak for my family and my personal actions. But we're mm -hmm. we are. For the most part, staying in the house. I've been out a handful of times to buy meat mm -hmm. at Nello's, and they control. There's two people in the store at once. We're wearing masks. They're having to sanitize our hands before we go in. I've been out to pick up Red Robin curbside. I'm the one who's actually getting pissed at the customers who are pulling up curbside, not wearing masks. I, I'm the one telling the workers, you guys should be allowed to tell them to go pound sand until they go until they put a mask on. Right. Um, I think they are allowed to tell them to go pound sand until, until they put a mask on. Like, isn't that what this whole like, uh, well, that's what the that, whole fiasco yeah. is about why people are like, ah, the masks are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my daughter is actually better now. My my daughter in Kutztown, but we're pretty sure she had the Rona. And I'm not convinced my wife and I didn't have it. And but I and I would like the antibody test for it. There's so much about this virus we don't know. Mm -hmm. It might not be as deadly because it people can people might be able to have it and and it's it really just presents as crud not death. And then there are some people it's devastating to. We, we just don't know. And then there is work. Be, yeah. And there is work being done on the vaccines and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. This just, this is one of those things with contact tracing. If you get some bad players involved, I had a fascinating conversation on a flight back home from, from Raleigh once because 
the the guy in the seat next to me and I we st- we were talking about encryption. And this was back. I think there had been a recent shooting, and and Apple was standing firm on not on not breaking into the to the terrorist phone. And the guy was a fucking terrorist. He yep. he went to the workspace and 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 mowed down people with automatic fire. Yeah, yeah, that. I remember this case. He and, had he had two phones. And, the one was encrypted. The other one wasn't. They didn't get any data out of the one that wasn't. So they wanted to get into the one that was encrypted. And was the an and and. And the guy and his buddy who he was traveling with next to him, they're like, well, the government maybe should have backdoor keys so they so that that law enforcement can get into that stuff. I'm like, OK, so 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 let's let's play a mind. Let's figure. Let's talk about something here. I'm a homosexual male in Iran where they hang their gay people. Mm-hmm. You give the government the, the ability to break into my iPhone and intercept the messages that I'm sending to my secret lover, and now I'm dead. Are you suddenly a fan of that now? And they were like, holy crap, you're right. And I'm like, so do you see why encryption can sometimes be a literal life and death situation? Yeah, and not to mention that if you have a backdoor like that, you've also probably just undermined the security posture of the device for anybody else. You have. It's ridiculous. So, so to yeah. me, encryption yeah. and privacy are things that people don't understand because they're hard. They're and and we give up too much. We give up too much for them. This contact tracing might might not be a t- the most terrible idea technology, but I think the other thing, Charles, is people mm-hmm. are getting so there's been so much stress and so much fear that uh, people are getting weary, right? And there's mm-hmm. so much we don't know. So you're getting very emotional reactions to it. Yes. No, you absolutely are. I mean, I just know what I know about contact tracing is that they've used it very successfully in South Korea, which admittedly is not the United States. Yeah. But, but America. Yeah. You know, Eagle streams in freedom. Indeed. They but need, you know, we need that sound on the on the soundboard. We do. We need oh, the eagle God. screaming in freedom. Everybody's just gonna think we're Auburn fans. That's no good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. I, I'm pro. I I'm not a fan of contact tracing, but I get I definitely just because I think the government I think there's just a huge potential for abuse, but I also see how it could be a valuable tool. Yeah, I have so, I have this gift where I can see uh, many sides of an argument, and I can see both sides of this one. I absolutely see how it would be valuable. I also see how it could be a horrible, horrible thing. And I have relatives. I have relatives who if they get. Yeah. I have relatives who if they get this virus will die. Same. I, I literally live with a woman who just got released as a from from uh, fighting cancer. Yeah, mm-hmm. chemotherapy. Yeah, so, so her immune system is shot. So like literally, if literally. if we brought it home, it could kill her. So we're being careful, right? It's the the very nature of this thing makes it hard to tell if any of us have brought it home after going out to the grocery store. Um, the contact tracing might help that. The other thing is, though, it won't help until possibly two weeks later. Or longer. Right, but it helps. <laughs> right, I mean, it doesn't necessarily help you directly, but what it does is it prevents these kind of big, in theory, prevent, you know, these smaller outbreaks from getting worse. You know, have these so we're dead already, but we're uh, but people three weeks down the road might not be dead. You're dead. You're dead either way, but three people down people down the road might not be dead. Yeah. 
right. but you kept your privacy because because you've been you've you've been alerted that you could have it and you, you can then you can, you can then avoid contact with other people sure but i don't know anyway. i think if it's if it starts a larger conversation he, here's what would make me happy if this starts a larger conversation about privacy and 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 maybe we change some other behaviors like this this other article i didn't post mm-hmm. in where congress is screwing us because we're distracted oh my god i sound like a crazy person now oh congress i've become what i hate that. not our then, congress yeah then then i then i'll be happy right yeah, okay. We'll do contact tracing, but we really need to take a more serious we need to we need to take a more serious uh look at some of these privacy and encryption issues that people ignore because they're just not sexy. They're yeah. not they, they're not good ink. Right. But they're important. They're so they are, important. They are, they are important. Somebody shared a Somebody thing on social somewhere that said, "Do you ever feel like Neo in uh in the Matrix?" you know like so emo like like the only person who sees it for what it truly is and everyone around you is blind right and they were using it of course in context with i don't know some weird conspiracy theory so the whole thing lost any merit but uh the idea still stands right and like privacy is is one of those things where it's like i see how this is going to be a problem everyone around me is just like but i want to be able to go on facebook and share pictures of my cat (laughs) right so anyway, and I'm on Facebook and Mark, you're on Facebook and even Charles, you're on Facebook, even though I don't, I don't using use it much. Um, no, I don't use it. I've never deleted my account, but I don't really post there. Facebook is a serious privacy concern all in, all in itself. And your point is well taken that we've all decided like, OK, Facebook's OK, but contract contact tracing is not. I still feel like contact tracing is a step much further than Facebook. Yeah, maybe, maybe we are the assholes if so, we have that view. It's completely possible. Right. Like, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying. We lost the war. Yeah. Well, maybe it's time to pick up the weapons again. All right. So moving on to the Great next article. Yeah. Great fire. Pick up your bow. <laughs> Since we have, we have beaten that to death and probably made some enemies and maybe some friends. Um, and it's 8.55. Yeah. But. Moving moving on to an article from Forbes. Uh, 4,000 Android apps really exposed. Are a real magazine millions. anymore? I don't know. They have, they have a Aren't website. Aren't they just a blog now? They have a website. I was going to say, it's one of those contributor sites. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're, just a, they're just a blog, so people think they're legitimate. So I'm anyway, sorry. I didn't, I didn't read too deeply into this article, but the headline caught me. I'm guilty. 4,000 Android apps expose millions of passwords, phone numbers, and messages. This is a bad thing. It's probably another story about some Android malware that made it past the, uh, the no, Play Store. It, it's, it's, yeah, well, no, it's, um, well, develop, so it's an application developer platform. If the developers don't configure things securely, there's common misconfigurations that if those developers don't do, you're screwed. Right. This, this sometimes makes me glad I, 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 I use an iPhone right now, although that's not without its problems. It's probably a similar problem on iPhone. It's just that it hasn't been uh, hasn't oh, been focused yeah. on yet. <laughs> well, well, here's the good news. Only 1.6% of all apps use Firebase. So oh. well, that's good. Oh, good. Apparently, yeah, this article's stupid. Apparently 1.6% is 4,000. <laughs> yeah. When you consider how big the Play Store is. Oh, look. There's a picture of a cat, and I don't need to be on Facebook because it's on the live stream. There you go. Yeah. Hello, kitty, kitty, yeah. kitty, kitty, kitty. I have a dog behind me on this futon somewhere. Oh, no, she's right here. Hi, Pooch. 
He's like, why have you locked me in this room? Why can't I leave? Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, Android apps with vulnerabilities are a bad thing. So we're going to move on to The Verge. Just talking At least about... there wasn't an article about emoticons. Right, mm -hmm. which is... Uh... We could find one of those for you. <laughs> no. No, I'm good. The Verge is talking about the, uh, the my, my favorite gaming platform that I just really want to love and can't because, well, I can't. <laughs> so what's going on with Stadia? Google Stadia is a lonely place. Google's virtual stadium doesn't have crowds yet. And it's... This article is basically saying something we've said in the past, that Stadia is nothing if we if it doesn't get adoption, and it's not getting adoption, um, partially, womp womp. partially because of the issues they had at launch time, and I don't know if there's other reasons, if it's maybe... maybe well, don't you have to buy every friggin' game again that you already own? So, yes and no. They... I've actually been scooping up all of the... Every... It seems like every couple of weeks. Maybe it's monthly, I don't know. That uh, they they if you're a Stadia Pro member, which is ten bucks a month, uh, you can just simply claim games that they've put up to two Pro members for free, right? So the latest one was Player Unknown Battlegrounds, uh, PUBG for those of you that only speak in acronyms. I've played a lot of PUBG. I've chicken I've actually never played it, but I I did claim it on Stadia, and I intend to try it out sometime. But um, you know, it's my understanding that PUBG only works if you have a lot of other players, and that's part of what this article focuses on, that there aren't. <laughs> mm. So I don't know if if PUBG is cross-platform or if you can only play against other Stadia players, but um, yeah, I don't know. Apparently, people are finding it a little bit underwhelming because there's not enough players to play against. I mean, I'll be honest, I had absolutely zero interest in Stadia because I have absolutely almost no trust in Google not killing it out of boredom in a couple of years. Yeah, so I think that's because another... Because they do that. That's so it looks like Stadia, right? If you're, playing, if you're playing PUBG on the Stadia with a controller, then you're matched against PS4 or Xbox One players. But if you're using a mouse and keyboard through the Chrome browser, because in a game like that, mouse and keyboard gives you more discrete control, yeah. then you'll only get matched against other Stadia players using a mouse and keyboard and the bots. So if you want to play PUBG, well, if you want to play PUBG, you should be playing it on your PC, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a snob and say that right out. But if you're going to insist on playing it on Stadia, you should use the controller so you're playing against other humans. And PUBG, by the way, is not a friendly game for a noob who's going solo. You should run on a squad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. It sounds like sage, sounds advice. Like sage advice. But it's a fun game. That's good. If you ever saw the movie, um, oh, what was the movie? It was originally Japanese. It's the one The Hunger Games is actually based on. Oh. Oh, now I got to log it. Now I got. Are you talking about Battle Royale? Yes, Battle Royale. That's, That's a great movie. Yeah. The guy who wrote PUBG wanted to essentially turn that into a video game, ah. but he. Okay. Uh, but he couldn't figure out how to do certain things. Like, you know, how the different regions would blow up and become inaccessible. So instead, he, he knew how to do circles in code, though. So he, instead, it led to the shrinking circles, which are one of the just one of the huge tropes in the game that that have become famous. You should recognize that from your uh, playing a Fortnite, Nate. It's oh, yes. the same. All, oh, yeah. All the Fortnite that I've played. Yeah. Yeah. No, I am. I, I do know that a lot of people have said that Fortnite is basically a clone of PUBG. Um, 
and it's a cartoony PUBG with building. PUBG is more realistic you, and is a better uh, game. You saying that only solidifies that because that's exactly how this works in Fortnite. The the closing circle thing, you know, the storm yeah. as they call it. The storm, yeah. <laughs> we just call it the circle in PUBG. Okay, so the circle is the <laughs> thing that you hate, not the storm. Well, they had to call it something other than the circle, right? Because that would just be a complete blatant ripoff. Yeah, and PUBG also you don't well maybe they added skins you can buy in. I haven't played in a while. Does does PUBG incorporate the like building mechanic that you get? Absolutely in not. No, that's a load of crap. No, okay. PUBG PUBG tries to be uh far more realistic. Okay. okay. So yeah, there there are buildings and stuff that and that and there's breakable windows and things like that, but you're not building. Yeah. There's vehicles you can drive around. Yeah, no, it's fun. You know what? It's a shame Swike's land party didn't happen because I would have dragged you to it. Maybe it, it, he's going to try and do it in October. Yeah, we'll see, uh, right? Thanos willing, right? Um, but we'll play a lot of PUBG then, so you'll actually get a chance to, to play it as God intended. That's cool. Not on Stadia. On a PC with mouse and keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the things that I really thought was just completely crazy when I first saw Fortnite was this whole, like, I can build stuff. And then you see people playing it professionally or whatever, playing it on YouTube channels and streams. Or oh, whatever. it's sick. How they're yeah. just like, like, oh, well, I need to get over this thing. So they just start literally building staircases and crap in front of them so they can climb up over a thing. Which is like perfectly a usable game mechanic, but so ridiculously unrealistic. Like, yeah, I'm in the middle well, of a battle. I'm going to build a staircase. What? Fortnite, <laughs> but Fortnite, to its credit, doesn't strive. It, it it's got its tongue firmly planted yes. in in its. Yes, it, it does. It it doesn't stri from the moment where you drop from the battle bus, which is this crazy ass school bus being suspended by hot air balloons, and and there's a party going on on it. I mean, yeah. it it doesn't it. Fortnite's gets that it's a cartoon it, yeah. and that's okay. Right. Yeah. But so, yes. Yeah, so, so, uh, you bought a stadia, right? I so did. you're probably, are you regretting that purchase? No, the price was low enough that what I got out of the deal was two decent controllers, which I can plug into my PC via USB and use as just like any old controller. I've actually okay. used it with, uh, with things like, um, trying to remember what it was i used it in now but you can plug it into like use it with a retropie or you can use it on other games that support a controller oh i was using it with um i had a ps1 emulator on my pc okay. and i was playing final fantasy and final fantasy 7 and i was using it with that right so like they're per still perfectly usable decent game controllers and i got a chromecast ultra which is a thing that i can simply use for streaming media in my house and i do right so even if i'm not playing stadia I, those things are still usable outside of Stadia. So now, tomorrow they, they go like, Stadia is no more. I still have a Chromecast Ultra and two controllers that are perfectly usable for other okay, things. Okay, that's good. And they call out the Division 2, which I also bought on Windows. That's a fun game. And it apparently match makes up against, you match make, it's a co-op shooter. Okay. And it matches you with PC players in it. <laughs> that's actually a quality gaming, uh, the Division 2. It's, it's smaller squad action stuff. Uh, so at any rate, uh, Stadia continues to disappoint people, which is kind of a shame. I really, really wanted to see this succeed. Much, much like G Chat, 
and many other Google products that I'm forced to use every day. Much like Gchat. I don't, I don't think we're going to see Gchat vanish, though, because they're selling that. Uh, well, maybe they will. It doesn't seem to stop them. Gchat is a pile of garbage intern project that someone just said, push it to production. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. All right. Moving on to our last article for the night. It's from Extreme Tech. And I didn't add this. Did Extreme. I? No, this is um, from you, Mark. I added this. So, so no. no, this is this is just something that amuses me because I've been doing gaming and online stuff for a very long time, and and I always just it it, it amuses me when companies are like, we're it's, we're going to launch something. What could possibly go wrong? And then they get buried in new players. Like so, you know, you look at World of Warcraft, which sold out the physical copies almost instantly. Yeah, and you know, the servers melted down for literal months. Like you couldn't, you couldn't get on. And then you saw the same type of impact when they did their wow classic launch last year, there were a couple of very popular servers that had multi multi hour queues to even get in. Wow. Um, you know, so, so it, it, it's the same, it's the same thing, same, same song, different, uh, different dance. Right. Um, so apparently what happened is that they were uh, giving away a copy. They, they do free games every so often, and they decided to uh, give away GTA 5, which is uh, a pretty cool game. I, I've bought it twice. Um, once on the PS4. No, I've bought it three times. Once on the PS3, once on the PS4, and then on Windows. Although I don't think I paid full price on Windows. Uh, so I have it through Steam. But so they, it apparently melted down. Now, now, Charles, you said you were able to get right on and grab it. Or was that? No, that, that was Jason. That was Jason. So, Jason, who's no longer here, you said you were able to get right on and grab it. <laughs> that's right, I, Uncle Mark. I had no issues. I think so that's I, given Jason's well-documented problems, even using a web browser to surf the Internet. Um, I'm not sure I entirely I'm not sure I credit his account of getting the game, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> Mm. Indeed. So, so yeah, it's almost like get, capacity planning is really hard, and um, capacity planning is really hard. Even we should do a show goals. about. We should do a show about capacity planning. This sounds, you should. sounds really familiar. Everybody, just almost, click back on episode seventy nine. Almost like we did it two, three weeks ago. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. <laughs> click, click on episode seventy nine and listen. We'll be here. We'll wait. Yeah, yeah, we'll totally wait. Probably get back. Yeah. So, at any rate, that's the news for tonight, and I think with that, that actually is all of the news, and the show is over. The show is over. Go in peace. We made it under under two hours. By the time I finish the close, barely it'll be two hours though. No, it's we're at one fifty five thirteen. It shouldn't take so. me five minutes to close the show, unless I get sidetracked. That never happens though, right? Oh, please. <laughs> So anyway, folks, thanks for listening and or watching if you're watching us live on YouTube. Uh, if you want to watch us live on YouTube, you can do so on the second and fourth Thursday of every month, which we found out last week while I was trying to prepare for the show that that every now and then gives us two weeks off between shows, which is actually kind of cool. It's almost like a vacation day. Uh, so second and fourth Thursday of every month, uh, if you want to get notified when we go live, you should follow us on Twitter because I usually tweet before the show goes live, like right before it goes live. And also subscribe on YouTube and hit that uh, notification bell. It'll tell you when we go live and when we create new content. So that's all good stuff. 
Uh, speaking of Twitter, we are Iron Sysadmin on Twitter. You can follow us there. Also on Facebook, you can find Iron Sysadmin. We have a Facebook page, which is basically just a clone of the content I post to Twitter because I'm lazy. So you can give up all your privacy. Right. If you've chosen to give up all your I'm privacy, stop shopping. you can do that. We launching on Live Journal yet, or we're, we're, we're still Facebook. waiting for that launch? Um, as usual, you can find links to all this stuff in the show notes, which you can find on ironsystemin.com or on the Libsyn page that I never publish and point anyone to anyway. So just go check ironsystemin.com. That's the right place to go. Use uh, the friggin' Google. Google Iron Sys admin. Right, you can, we, could, we could put it on. Uh, we could put it on Orkut if Google hadn't killed it like ten years ago. Yeah, good uh, idea. Let's do that. Uh, you can subscribe to us wherever you normally find podcasts. And if you can't find us where you normally find podcasts, let us know. We'll try to get ourselves listed there because we want to get to all of the sysadmins' ears. Because that's our goal. And some of their other organs, too, but mostly their ears. I don't know about any other organs. Ears. Yeah, I don't know. Just the ears. We're going to leave it at that. Avoid the HR problems. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and don't forget, if you'd like to support us monetarily, you can do so via Patreon. And with that, I'm done talking, and it's only one hour and 57 minutes. We might break two hours tonight. Stay under two hours tonight is what I meant to say. But only if I stop the show. So, with that, good night, everybody, and thanks for attending, slash listening, slash watching, slash whatever you're doing. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> record now because that would have been a great outtake but we don't have it recorded uh, <laughs> well the fails really just piling up isn't it, it really is it really is